You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. But if you're busy with us, it's great to have you. We are starting a new series today called The Verse After the Verse. And I'm going to explain a little bit what that series is all about. But before I do, I have a few announcements for you. Uh, What would church be without announcements, right? Um, We have youth ministry night this week, uh, Saturday night. So if you have a teenage uh, son or daughter or a preteen son or daughter or in uh, middle school, uh, that night is for you and your family. Uh, We are getting together. We always have a a potluck meal together and some time together. We're going to have especially some focused time for those uh, who are parents of preteens and middle school kids uh, because sometimes, you you know, how when you have three kids, you know, sometimes the, the first one is the front line. So you're dealing with the problems of the first one. You know what I mean? Uh, it can be that way. Anyways, uh, our youth ministry nights can sometimes have a flavor of teen parenting to them. And so some of the parents of younger kids were like, hey, we need some special attention, especially to like this middle school age or this like preteen age when they get to be 10 and suddenly they have an attitude. It's like, what do I do with that? Um, so we're going to be hitting that uh, this this youth ministry night for the young parents of younger you know youth age kids so especially for you guys so anyway that's this Saturday night and uh, speaking of our youth ministry our teens are all away this weekend at winter camp uh, so let's be praying for them uh, also a couple other announcements we have some retreats some mountain retreats coming up one for the singles called Catalyst uh, one for the men uh, called Warrior um, either of those you can register on our app or on our websites. And then uh, coming up in March, we've been having Mission Points meeting in homes for midweeks. We're going to have midweeks together for the month of March, men on Tuesday, women on Wednesday. So keep that in mind. That's on the calendar, uh, but just so you know, that's coming up. And then finally, there's a women's devotional uh, coming up March 2nd. Uh, So that's for all the women in coastal L.A. So that's this church, but also four other churches all coming or five now because we started downtown Long Beach. So five other churches all coming together for uh, a, a night of encouragement and worship on Friday night, March 2nd, 7.30. All right, so this series, uh, we'll pray here in a minute when we, as we open the scriptures uh, for a couple other things, but uh, is really about finding, getting more out of your Bible. How can you get more out of your Bible? And so what we did was we took the very top, most popular uh, Christian verses, the ones that you see on mugs or on T-shirts or, you know, that kind of thing, on memes and stuff, and we said, okay, let's get a little deeper, because in some cases, some of these verses are misunderstood or misapplied, or there's just a lot more rich uh, understanding to them. And so the one we're looking at today is Jeremiah 29, 11. Um, and uh, so we'll, we'll dig into that. But it gave me the, it kind of reminded me of that idea of misunderstanding, because a lot of these verses are misunderstood. Have you ever misunderstood song lyrics for like a really long time? Um, we... we even you know even modern times nowadays you can just look it up you know but in the in the old days you, you didn't have the internet young people there was no internet there were no smartphones and so you could go on for you know decades totally misunderstanding uh, certain song lyrics um just like last year or a couple years ago uh i was we were you know driving in the car with my kids and i'm like that's so interesting taylor swift wrote a song about starbucks you know i'm like singing about Starbucks lovers, you know, and uh, so I'm like, and then the Starbucks lovers, they'll tell you I'm insane. Like, that's, it's weird. And as I look up, you know, on, on, on Google, Starbucks lovers, and of course, there's all kinds of stuff because so many people misunderstood it. 
uh, it's a long list of ex-lovers, but it sounds just like Starbucks lovers. But um, there's, uh, there, there's a lot of these, and uh, Jimmy Fallon, two weeks ago on, uh, on his uh, show, he, he put out a, a hashtag, and he had people put some of their favorite song uh, misunderstandings. So I just wanted to share some of these. One was, uh, uh, yeah, I'm just a pool boy, nobody loves me. He's just a pool boy from a pool family. Um, my brother thought, Alon- this is a little deeper one. Some of you might not know this song, but Alanis Morissette was singing, it's not, it's not fair to deny me. I love this. Of the cross-eyed bear that you gave to me. <laughs> this is for the, the, the older folks here. My friend used to sing, sugar fried honey butts. I love this one. Bring me an iron lung. Bring me an iron lung. Oh. My, my five-year-old son sings. I love how he's made this modern. Ring around the rosies, popsicle emojis. My dad thought America the Beautiful ended with from sea to Chinese sea. <laughs> My five-year-old grandson thought the Bon Jovi song said, Shot to the heart and you're to blame. You give love a band-aid. <laughs> My mom always thought, if you like pina coladas, was if you like bean enchiladas. <laughs> That's pretty good. They should make that version. I like this one. I thought the song Dancing Queen by ABBA went, See that girl, watch her scream. Kicking the dancing queen. <laughs> uh, when my son was five, he thought the lyrics to Funky Town were, Well, taco party, taco party, taco party, taco party. Okay, last one, I think. Uh, I love this one. Rick, Rick, what's his name? Astley, Rick? Rick Astley? It's like, then I'm going to give you up. Then I'm going to let you down. Then I'm going to run around and desert you. Not a very encouraging song, yeah. He's got that dance. Have you guys seen that video? If you haven't seen it, you got to watch it like now. His dance. So, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. This is obviously a popular verse. If you do a, a Google search to just say Jeremiah 29, you get all of these memes. Um, you, you know, people love this verse. Um, it, it, it says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Very encouraging message from God. I think the way that I think this is commonly understood, though, is often this. God wants to bless me and make me happy and prosperous. God wants everything to go well for me. God has great plans for me. He wants. To, it says right there, he wants to prosper me. And yet I think the, the true meaning of this is a little bit more like this. And, and you can see what you think as we get through the scriptures. God has an amazing purpose and cosmic plan for his people, those who wholeheartedly seek him and trust him in his word. I think this is a little bit more what that really means, but we'll, we'll discover it together. And I really encourage you, don't take my word for it. Like, dig into your Bible on your own. That's the whole idea of this series is let's read more than just the the highlights let's let's really dig into our bible so we're going to open jeremiah 29 if you dig into that in your uh bible or on your phone or however you have the scriptures 
We have some free Bibles if you're a first-time guest at our information table you can grab out there. Uh, But I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then we'll open the Scriptures together. God, thank you uh, for the incredible privilege it is to hear from you, the Creator of the universe who made all of matter and energy and designed life and created all the laws of the govern the universe that we can study and know in different ways. But thank you that beyond seeing you through your creation, that we can hear from you specifically about our lives and our, our, our relationships and, and our jobs and our, just the, the, the place where we live, God, that you have spoken to those uh, parts of our lives. Thank you that you even came to earth as a human being in the form of Jesus uh, to relate to us and to understand us. And not only that, but to give Uh, your life for us, God, on the cross so that we could be right with you. Thank you for the amazing gospel uh, and uh, the amazing love that you have for us. And I pray that you would speak uh, to all of us, even through this ancient text of Jeremiah, God, that that we could really learn what you have in store for us today and what your heart is for your people today. I pray to not be uh, an obstacle uh, to your message, God, but that you would really speak through me as, uh, as we're opening the word together. I want to pray for those in our ministry who are hurting or who've gone through things. I appreciate Jacques play, praying for Calvin. And I pray also for the Catanos who um, are going through uh, a tough time or received some tough news. I pray that you encourage them and build them up. They're such a, a key part of our, our ministry and amazing servants. I pray for A.J. Rutherford who uh, had an accident uh, and uh, is recovering. I pray that he would uh, recover fully. I uh, pray for Sandy and, uh, and just for their household. I pray for uh, uh, the Rusties as uh, uh, Sherwin's mom is battling cancer. And uh, uh, just pray that you would uh, pray for a, a full recovery. I pray for your, your spirit to guide, for help, uh, for encouragement. I pray for Natalie as she's still grieving the loss of her, her, of her mom. And I pray for those still uh, who are really missing Kevin as we're, uh, you know, it's about a year ago that we had his, his memorial service now, and I know uh, his family is probably going through a hard time. I pray that you'd encourage the, uh, the, the, the Maines family and uh, anybody else here who's hurting or, or going through hard times, God, or who's sick. And I know that the flu has been a doozy. Just pray that you would uh, heal us and help us and be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, uh, Jeremiah 29, I'm going to just read the whole text for you. Um, let me just give you a little background before we read it uh, and, and kind of when this is in the history of God's people. So this is a map of the ancient Near East. Um, you know, this is like modern day Iraq, modern day Iran, uh, you know, modern day Egypt. So Jerusalem and the, the Holy Land is right there. Just a little bitty area. The whole Holy Land is about the size of Vermont. Just all these stories, all this, play, all this took place in this little bitty you know, part of the world. But uh, Abraham was from here, all the way over here in Ur, and then uh, he moved over here to Terah or something like that, and then God called him to come to a land he would show him. So then he went all the way down here to the Promised Land. And I I show you like this, because nobody, you can't go this way. This is mountains and desert, and so this is the pathway. So like in a minute where we talk about armies from the north, you know, they saw Babylon as an army from the north, even though they're here, because... If you're in Jerusalem, you want to go to Babylon, you go up, and then you go around. This is the Fertile Crescent, it's called. Um, so anyway, Abraham ended up here. His descendants ended up down in Egypt because of a famine, and then they stayed there long term, and they became a whole nation of slaves in Egypt. God delivered, this 400 years, uh, God delivered the, the, the Israelites out of Egypt with these amazing miracles, the plagues. And so that's, that's really where history's 
uh, starts for Israel is, is God delivering them out of Egypt. What an amazing, amazing thing God did. And then he gives them uh, his law. He gives them uh, guidelines like it talked about in that video we watched, but they continually rebel against him. And so God says, if you continue to rebel, you have a choice. You have to follow my laws or rebel. And if you rebel, here's what will happen. And they continually rebelled. And so uh, they faced judgment. And so, and so these other nations conquered them. Assyria first uh, conquered uh, the northern part of, of, of God's people, the Israel kingdom. That, this is Assyria, and Assyria was the, the most powerful world power in, in the 700-ish time frame, 700 B.C., uh, 787 is when they were conquered, or 722 rather, is when they were conquered. And then in, uh, after the Assyrians came to the Babylonians, Babylon is here, and the Babylons came and conquered uh, Jerusalem in 587. And so where Jeremiah is written is right before that, or right kind of during that time frame where Judah is taken into captivity. And what that means is you are completely displaced. You know, they, they, they physically destroyed the temple. They physically, uh, you know, massacred people. They, they took people uh, as captives all the way back. You know, you can imagine being, being walked all the way back to Babylon, you know, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, you know, thousands of miles, uh, you know, away from your family. And the whole idea then was to enculturate you with new gods, new uh, way of dress, new way of thinking. You know, they, they wanted to enculturate these people. So that, that's what people were going through uh, who uh, Jeremiah is writing to. It's a letter. Uh, you might have not known that, that this uh, text uh, that, you know, I know the plans for you, the plans to prosper you, give you hope in the future, is from a letter that Jeremiah wrote. So we'll, we'll find that out right now. So uh, Jeremiah 29, I'm going to be reading from the... Uh, New Revised Standard Version, uh, but it's pretty close to probably whatever you have. It says, These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles, to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken in exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the court officials, the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the artisans, the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisa, son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, whom King Zedekiah of Judah sent to Babylon, to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. It said, so here's Jeremiah's letter. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. 
When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your hearts, I will let you find me, says the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Because you said the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon, thus says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David and concerning all the people who live in this city, your kinsfolk who did not go with you out into exile, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am going to let loose on them sword, famine, and pestilence. I will make them like rotten figs that are so bad they cannot be eaten. I will pursue them with the sword, with famine, with pestilence. I will make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth to be an object of cursing and a horror and hissing and a derision among all the nations where I've driven them because they did not heed my words, says the Lord. When I persistently sent to you my servants and prophets, but they would not listen. But now all you exiles whom I sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Concerning Ahab, son of Coliah, and Zedekiah, son of Maasiah, who are prophesying a lie to you in my name, I am going to deliver them into the hand of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and he shall kill them before your eyes. And on account of them, this curse shall be used by all the exiles from Judah and Babylon. The Lord make you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire, because they have perpetuated outrage in Israel and have committed adultery with their neighbor's wives and have spoken in my name lying words I did not command them. I am the one who knows and bears witness, says the Lord. So that's the whole letter. Uh, a lot to that, kind of interesting, right? There's two things we're going to kind of talk about based on what I gave you as, as my understanding of, of what that verse is really about. Number one, God has a plan for his people. God has a plan. He's, this is written to those Jews who've been carried off in exile. Think about how you would be feeling right now. You heard all the stories, right? You heard about God delivering the Jews out of slavery in Egypt. You heard about God providing manna in the desert. You heard about God, uh, you know, through these different prophets performing miracles. And uh, you heard about David and his exploits conquering the Philistines, conquering uh, these other nations and, and God working through Jeremiah. You know, the walls coming crashing down as they entered the promised land. All these amazing stories that you heard. Uh, you heard about how even, even the king of Assyria, the most powerful nation in the whole planet, came to Jerusalem and had it surrounded. Uh, and this is in 722. Has it surrounded and, 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 and all, already northern Israel is gone. Uh, and King Hezekiah begs God, please, and, and God responds and, and sends us an angel and there's a plague that breaks out. And so uh, thousands of the soldiers of Assyria are all, all stricken with this plague and they all die. And so then they leave and retreat and they, and, and they leave um, King Hezekiah alone. And this is even written in, in the, uh, the Assyrian king's annals. So, so Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, wrote about this. But his version was, I am so powerful and so amazing, I had King Hezekiah shut up in, like a bird in a cage. That's all he really says. He doesn't mention that then he left, you know, uh, and, and that they lost, you know. But, 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 it, but it was true. And so if you were a Jew, you, you saw God's deliverance again and again and again. And yet here you've been, you've been carried off into exile. God's people lost, right? What happened? Why, are, why is Babylon winning? Where is God? Of, uh, where is the God of my fathers? You know, that would be a really challenging situation to be in. Uh, 
to be to be a refugee. And and on on the screen is this is a picture of some some refugees from Syria. And there there's been uh, people on the run from Syria for uh, I don't know maybe five years now, six years. It's been going on since the Arab Spring uh, time frame that, that that these people have you know millions and millions of people who who are you know trying to find shelter, trying to figure out where how they can provide for their family on the run. Uh, the, the situation for God's people was much worse and that they were forcibly, you know, captives, right? So it's a challenging situation to believe. Where is God in all that and how is God working in, in all this? Because the thing is, God has a plan, but it's always His plan and not our plan, right? And it's always His timing and not our timing. And often God's timetable is different than ours. And it's not really the timetable we would pick, even Jesus himself, right? Even Jesus, the Son of God, says, not, you know, this is not how I would want to do it, God. If there's any other way, but he surrenders to God's will. But often God's timetable is different than ours. And so God's timetable for them was 70 years. And, and uh, Jeremiah lays it out a, a few chapters earlier, but here he refers to it again. There's going to be 70 years. So, so what you need to do is, have you know, marry, give in marriage, settle down, uh, make make the most of this situation because it's going to be a while. It's going to be a long time. So you need to, in fact, you need to seek the prosperity of that city you're in. You need to pray for Babylon. You need to pray for the king of Babylon. You need to try to do your best to, to flourish there because that's the plan. And, and so that that was not necessarily a popular plan. This verse would not have been a top verse, right? This letter would not have been received with, whoo, boy, you know, 70 years. And so there was competing messages. Uh, see, God's message always has competition, right? And God's message to the exile had competition. So in this letter, he's talking specifically about two prophets, quote-unquote, that are there in Jerusalem, Zedekiah and Ahab. Uh, and they are telling them, no, 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 we're going to be able to go back soon. And in the in the chapter before, uh, there's a guy named, uh, I think it's Hananiah. Don't want to get it right. Yeah, Hananiah in chapter 28. He's telling them it's going to be within, verse uh, Hananiah 28, 3, within two years I will bring you back to this place, says the Lord. That's a false message, right? It's, he says it's from God, but it's going to be within two years. And so then... Uh, Jeremiah is like, no, don't listen to him. That's not who I've sent. I'm not speaking through him. And then in the chapter after, in uh, or the second half of chapter 29, there's this guy named Shemaiah. And Shemaiah refers to this letter that uh, Jeremiah wrote and says, no, 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 it's going to be short. I'm going to bring deliverance. So God's message always has com- competition. And the reason I mention that is because you can always find someone to tell you what you'd like to hear. And so we've talked a lot this last verse or this last uh, sermon series we did uh, before this one, the verse after the verse, was all about listening to God's voice, right? And, and all about hearing from God. And we want to hear from God. We want God to speak into our lives. But the thing is, is sometimes when He does it, we don't like what He has to say. Or sometimes we don't like His answer. He answers our prayers, but we don't like the answer we got. And God never says, don't keep praying, you know, don't keep petitioning. He says, in fact, no, go ahead and make your petitions and your requests. But ultimately, he's in control, right? And so if you're just trying to kind of hear what you want to hear, you can find that message. 
Uh, but but that's not who we want to be in this church, right? We we really want to to follow God's message. There's things that are in the Bible that frankly would be easier if they weren't in the Bible, right? Or there's you know there there's there's things in the Bible that I don't really understand. Or there there's parts of the Bible I I okay I get it. Jesus rose from the dead. Works here. I see how His way works here. But there's times where you're just like I don't know why didn't it work? You know what I mean? Why why? Why did Scott die? You know, we prayed and we fasted. And why did Scott die? I don't understand that. There's times that are just like, I don't know why, why, why God, where are you? Why are you doing it this way? And, and, and so you're going to, if you haven't been tested in that, you will be. There will be a time where you go, okay, God, I know your word says this, but I think this would be so much easier when it comes to, you know, your job, when it comes to a relationship, when it comes to your dating life. Uh, when it comes to your future, where you go, well, I don't know, maybe I want to just kind of find my own way. So that's where it's super important that we heed Jeremiah's appeal. Do not listen to these other voices. Do not listen uh, to these, you know, it says in verse 8 and 9, do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them. It's interesting, it says you encourage them to have these dreams. It reminds me of 2 Timothy uh, 4, verse 3 and 4, where Paul tells Timothy, the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around themselves a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn aside from truth and turn to myth. That's really our society today. People want to kind of look and pick and choose and try to find, what do I like? What, what speaks to me? What's kind of my style? You know, rather than, I want to, what does God really say? God really spoke, uh, and I want to know what is His will? What is His purpose? What is He really about? And not, 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 not what do I want? What do I feel like? In Jeremiah 23, we don't have time to really uh, turn there, but it talks about some other false prophets. And when, when it's talking about the people who are listening to these lies, it says, you're listening because of your own stubborn heart. And, and I think that's true. We can have stubborn hearts where we just, uh, my heart, I, I don't, I want my way, God. You know, I know you're saying this and this is your plan, but I want this way. And we, our hearts can be stubborn or our ears can be itching like the Second Timothy uh, verse. And so don't pick and choose. In Jeremiah 36, there's a story of a guy who, he gets this letter. This is a different letter, but a, a, another letter from Jeremiah. And he has... A, a knife, and as the letter is being read, uh, he'll cut out the parts he doesn't like and put them in the fire. Oh, I don't like that part. And he cuts it out and puts it in the fire. You can read it in Jeremiah 36. Cuts it out and puts it in the fire. And, and by, in the end, he doesn't even have anything. And and we can do that with God's Word. Like, oh, I don't like that part. I like this part. I don't like that part so much, or I don't like that aspect so much. There's another story in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 20, uh, 42. So, this letter is to the exiles who are in, in Babylon. There were some people left in Jerusalem when all this happened. And so those people who were left, we just read about them. They, they were supposed to go or they were supposed to submit to Babylon. They didn't want to. Uh, anyway, they were hoping for something else. So they, 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 uh, they get Jeremiah in, in, in chapter 42 and they say, okay, this time we're really going to listen. Okay, we really want to know for sure, for realsies this time, Jeremiah. What does God say? And we're going to do it. And Jeremiah says what to do. He says, okay, you need to work with Babylon. You need to surrender to Babylon. Do, whatever you do, do not go to Egypt. Don't think Egypt's the solution. You know, I'll go down to Egypt and then we'll be fine. 
Do not do that. Whatever you do, do not go to Egypt. Surrender to Babylon. Okay, that, I've told you, that's what, Jesus, that's what God says you need to do. And, and what is their response? We're going to go to Egypt. In fact, Jeremiah, because we don't want your word to come true, we're going to take you with us. So they forcibly take Jeremiah with them to Egypt so that his word won't come true. And somehow God spares Jeremiah through all this. He goes through a lot of hard times. But So the, the point is, trust God even when you don't like what he has to tell you. And, and even when the news you like is not, you're getting is not good. You know, Brian, Brian uh, I'll tell you more about the story sometime, but Brian Hood was over at my house this week because uh, I have this problem with my back porch. It's sinking because there was a, when they put in the drain, they didn't put it in right and it rotted. And so for years and years and years, this drain was like the water was coming back through and then rotting all this wood underneath. And it didn't look that bad. From the top, it's like there's just a little crack, right, along the edge. It doesn't look too bad. But then you go underneath, and and then you start, you know, I started cutting open all the stucco to see what was under there, and, and it, it got worse and worse. And so Brian comes over and it's like, oh, this is not good news. This is not the news I want. I want to just be told, oh, yeah, it's easy. It's quick. No problem. It's not that bad. The, pro- the, the, the problem is that the, the answer was, no, it's bad. And it's going to be a while. To fix, and and that that's sometimes that was what the situation was for these exiles, and they had to trust that God has a plan. I got to trust Him in that plan. You know, in, at our rehearsal on uh, this last week, Brian Voss uh, gave us a quote. He said, "I don't know where he got it, but he said, man says, show me and I'll trust you. God says, trust me and I'll show you.' And that's really how it is with God. You know, He says, here's the word, but you got you got to." Put your foot out. You've got to step out on faith. You've got to trust that he does have a plan. And that really, is, that, that really is the story of the Bible is that, you know, we are putting our trust in God even when we don't understand it, even when it's not popular, and even when it's, you know, the, the, the message of Jesus was not a popular message. You know, you get this picture from people sometimes that Jesus is, oh, God just loves you and God believes in you and God just cares about you and that's it. Just God loves you. Amen. God does love you. But Jesus says more than that. Like, unless you give up everything, you can't be a Christian. Jesus says, unless you carry your, I'm about to die for my faith. Unless you follow me and you die too, you can't be a Christian. You know, Jesus says some hard stuff. And uh, now, does God, God doesn't expect us to be perfect. God doesn't expect us to, um, you know, just just do all the right things that's we're saved by grace it's his amazing love for us that is the only way we can be saved but his message is not an easy message and if if you're hearing an easy message in the church you're going to it's probably not the truth so that's the thing you might not know about about this this part of the bible or about that story jeremiah 29 11 is that really our interpretation of it is more like the lies that we're being told oh no god's gonna work it out oh no it's not that bad it's god's gonna work it out the, the, the truth is, is no, they, they had to suffer through something they didn't really want to suffer through, but it was to serve a greater purpose of God's glory and God's kingdom. Okay, the second part we're going to talk about is wholehearted pursuit. You know, these Olympic athletes uh, right now, you guys been watching the Olympics? Some of you? You know, they are, they are into it with all their heart, with all their soul. You know, it, is, it takes everything you've got to, to pursue God. And that's what God says about the relationship with him in this verse. In verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from the nations where I banished you. 
wholehearted Christianity uh, is, wholehearted follow, following Jesus is, is what Christianity really is. It's with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. You can't be a Christian and kind of have half, half one foot in and half one foot out. And that's what these people were trying to do in the time of Jeremiah. You know, I want to I follow God. I want His blessing. But I also want to be like the other nations. Or I, I want God to bless me, but I also, you know, I want this or I want that. And, and, and that's not, God doesn't take that. He, he accepts, He says, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Uh, that, that, that it's all in. It's a story, it's being all in, totally committed, sold out. Um, as an example, I was thinking, what are examples of somebody who's all in? And, and uh, it reminded me of this uh, story that happened at, at teen camp last two years ago. Uh, I think it was two years ago. Um, so they were having a, uh, this event at teen camp where everybody goes and hide, the counselors go and hide, and then the campers have to go find them. It's kind of like a big, huge game of hide-and-seek. And so... Um, you know, the, the, everybody has to go find a good hiding spot. And so this one brother, but what happened, it was kind of rainy, and then it started raining so much that it, the game was called off. But this one brother, Christian Galvan, he didn't get the message. <laughs> and so he went out and hid, in a, and he found a really good hiding spot. He hid in a trash can, like one of those dumpsters, you know, closes the lid. And he hid in this trash can for over an hour. Because he hadn't gotten the word that 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 it had been been canceled or whatever, and so and he's just in there going, man, I got a good hiding spot. Nobody's finding me. Finally, I just picture he kind of peeks his head out. What's going on? You know, where is everybody? But he was all in with that game. He was like, I am going into the trash can. I'm not just hiding behind a tree. I'm getting in the trash can. I'm all in. And uh, that's that's what we need to be is. The, disciples who are all in with our faith it's everyday christianity it's not just sundays it's everywhere we go everything we do we're, we're trying to be like jesus right we're all in again it doesn't mean that we're perfect it doesn't mean we don't mess up but we're all in and uh and so i want you to to give you a a, a bible challenge here that uh uh, uh kind of to do this week sometime and with each of these ver- uh, uh, verse after the verse lessons we're going to have kind of maybe something you didn't know about the verse and then a specific bible challenge um but before i do that uh, uh betty's going to come up here in just a minute and share a little bit about her life because i think when you see disciples who are really living out their faith that's where you go okay that's what wholehearted pursuit looks like right that's what it looks like to really be uh, a wholehearted follower of god and that was what Jeremiah was pointing to for these, uh, these Jews in exile in Babylon, that they would be a city within a city, that they would be a culture within a culture, right? That they are there, they're, they're settling down, they're uh, praying for the prosperity of that city that they're in, but they are a, a little microcosm, a little micro city. Uh, so they, should, they, they really stood out in Babylon. You look at the story of Daniel or Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, and that's an example of exiles in Babylon. They really stood out. And so that's who we should be on our jobs and in our neighborhoods and in our schools. Is We should be a city within a city where there's two disciples. Man, it's like, oh, wow, God is here. You know, Jesus says, I am there when two or more are gathered. We're a cross-cultural community uh, with a city within a city. And, you know, this, this time of year uh, makes me think about it when it, you know, with Valentine's Day and stuff. 
you know, relationships in the kingdom versus relationships in the world. You know, my daughter's 13 now, and I, I want her to marry a guy from the church, you know. I want a guy who's going to treat her right. Uh, I don't want the scoundrels out there in the world, you know. And, uh, and I appreciate the sisters in this church that are, that are committed to purity. I cre- appreciate the brothers in this church that are committed to purity and to treating the sisters right. And I think it was last year, maybe the year before, I was able to be there when, when the, the brothers had this sisters' encouragement night. And, you know, they shared about each sister and, and what was so awesome about her and just building her up. And, you know, each of these brothers just sharing vulnerability about the sisters and really trying to give to her. And it was so cool because I was sitting there going, what an amazing thing the kingdom is. And how different than the world. And coincidentally, I just watched a few minutes of uh, The Bachelor the night before. It's the only time I've ever watched any of The Bachelor, I'm happy to say. Uh, and it's because I'd heard the, I heard the guy in The Bachelor is a Christian now, or, you know, quote-unquote Christian. So I was like, huh, I wonder if the show's going to be different, you know, whatever, whatever I heard about it. So I turn it on, and, and it's not different, you know what I mean? This guy is like, you know, necking with this girl, and I'm like, ugh, you know, this guy's supposed to be a Christian? And then, the, and then it goes to the, these other women. So this one woman is having this one-on-one quote with him. And then all these other women are together and they're just each crying and, so, you know, sobbing and they're mad because he didn't pick them to be the one on one. And and, you know, I don't know. It's just like it just made me so they're so emotional. Oh, he, why didn't he pick me to be the one on one? You know, it just made me think about our, the sisters in our church who are like they are not all about some dude. Right They're They're it's Jesus. Jesus is their fulfillment. Jesus is their their guy and they put their trust in jesus even if they're dating or even if they are in love you know jesus is number one right and and it you know it's such a contrast to the world so here's the specific bible challenge and then we're going to hear from betty and then i'll come back and pray for communion specific bible challenges this week read or listen to the book of first peter only five chapters but here's the thing i want you to try to do is read it all at once so just read it fast you know don't there's some great verses and you can be like, oh, I want to really meditate on that. And that's great times to dig into verses. But there's something you get out of just reading a whole book in context. Because that's how it was meant to be read originally. It was a letter, right? So just read it all at once or listen to it. Uh, the Bible Gateway, has, Bible Gateway has a free app that you can listen to multiple different translations. Uh, uh, and it's all free. So if you listen to First Peter, it'll probably take you about 15 minutes. Uh, but but spend some time and just listen to the book. And, and what I want you to listen to is listen from the perspective of God's people in exile. Because that's what Peter says we are as Christians in these last days, that we are like the Jews in exile. That we are like in this city of Babylon, but we're a city within a city, and we have a different culture, and we're waiting for that restoration that is to come. We're, we're in that 70-year period, and we're waiting to be brought back uh, into you know, in the heavenly situation when Jesus returns. So read from the perspective of God's people in Babylon what is said about God's plan for his people in First Peter. And, uh, and, and what, what, what do we get about a wholehearted pursuit, wholehearted perspective of Christianity? What do you get from First Peter? Just jot a few things down. So that's the Bible challenge. Listen to, or read all of First Peter and just jot a few things down about what it, what it mean, means to be uh, uh, God's people in exile. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.